I'm TJ Walsh, and you're listening to the Bold Creatives Collective podcast. Take a front row seat to hear conversations with successful musicians, producers, actors, visual artists, designers, directors, marketers, and more, and learn about their perspectives and approach to leadership, creativity, innovation, and growth. Let's dive in. Hey, everybody. I am so excited right now to have Jason Andrew Turner with me in, well, my office and I assume your studio. Jason, can you just give all of the listeners uh, an idea of who you are, what you're about, and then we'll we'll have a nice chat. Oh, sure. Um, well, thanks for having me. I'm actually not in my studio. I'm in my wife's studio because I'm uh, okay, cool. after this. But my name is Jason Andrew Turner. I am a painter um, from Birmingham, Alabama, originally. Uh, moved around a whole lot, but um, now I'm currently in Yanceyville, North Carolina, which is uh, right on the Virginia border uh, in in like farmland in the middle of nowhere. Um I make paintings about mental health using repetitive mark making. And um, I'm very interested in color and color theory and how that applies to uh, our our psychology and and visual fields. Yeah, awesome. So everybody, if you know me, if you know my work, what I talk about, you can understand why I was attracted and gravitated towards uh, Jason's work. Um, And it's just so nice to to be able to find somebody who also likes to work uh, in this way. Um, and in particular, what I was really drawn to is your focus, your um, interest in place, places, the meaning uh, and expression of those places. Um, and you were telling me a few minutes ago before we hopped on here, uh, that you have lived and moved around a ton. Um, and that has really influenced the way you make uh, your paintings and the stuff that shows up um, in in your paintings. And I'm wondering if you can kind of set the frame a little bit for us uh, so that we can understand why place is important to you um, and how it's important to you in, in so far as, as your work goes. Sure. Well, um, I, I, again, yes, I've moved around a whole lot from when I was a, a little one to today. I think I've actually slowed down a lot more in my adult years. Um, but I grew up in Cambridge, England for like most of my formative years, but I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. So I have this strange relationship to, to, to what home means, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I generally think that place influences um my work uh just through like how i absorb the environment i think this happens for everybody though i mean when i was in college i went to savannah college of art and design um i was painting major and i would make these very allegorical messy thick oil paintings of um uh, about pharmaceuticals and mental health and also about like religion and and those kinds of things you know i mean i was in the bible belt um yeah so i talked a lot about like that kind of ritual and um kind of like the uh just the yeah the rituals of of religion specifically christianity but then i moved to philadelphia and i didn't 
feel right because I was suddenly in this pretty dense city, rough around the edges, you know, brick everywhere. And so then drawing became more my focus. And Mm. then uh, these, these repetitive lines started coming out of that um, just from the, the density and the, the tightness of everything, everything kind of got smaller and more condensed and those kinds of yeah. things. And then I moved to New York and suddenly uh, the work needed to be faster. Uh, I don't think that this is like a, a purposeful thing. I think it's something that exists in the ether. You know, I was noticing yeah. with a lot of my peers yeah. is uh, New York creates a bit more of like a, a rushed and like immediate thing because the energy of the city is just mm-hmm. constantly like churning, churning, churning. Yeah. Now that I'm here in, in, in the middle of nowhere, um, so much my work has gotten a little bit quieter. It's gotten a little bit more open and mm. um, gentler, I would say. Um, I think that just generally place is just such an important, like where, where, you're making the work is you need to be aware of it and be attuned to like how that environment how you exist in that environment because right what you can't just paint in a vacuum like these are my these are my ideas this is my echo chamber you have to be aware of the world around you and like bring that into the work i think yeah yeah and i think that that goes to just like people in general right Mm -hmm. I, i don't think people um or many, many of us really pay attention to, you know, our, our container, so to speak. Sure. Right? Like, you know, if you plant a plant in a particular spot, right, it's going to grow in a particular way or, or not grow uh, in, in other ways. And people are very similar to that. And it seems like you have been able to cultivate a, um, an awareness of your, of yourself um through your art making right definitely recognizing like okay my 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 making my my output looks and feels a certain way based on the environments that i've been existing in Mm -hmm. right and you've been able to i wonder if you've been able to kind of then take that awareness from you know of what you're seeing in your work to maybe who you are as who you are as a person and understanding how you're feeling as an individual in the world um based on your your environments like have you sure. noticed how how you yourself uh lead your life differently or not mm-hmm. well i think you just generally need to be pretty adaptable and i think because i moved around a lot in my youth um that made me more attuned to like moving to a new place and like kind of looking at the culture a little bit differently and trying to find where I can worm my way (laughs) to like fitting in, in that, in that environment. Um, And of course, when you're in densely populated cities, you have to worry about people and, and how you interact with that kind of mode of thinking but now that I'm here, it's kind of, like I said, it's opened up because I'm not seeing people as much. I can really like absorb my, uh, uh, my, my true artist self of being a little antisocial and a little uh, just absorbed into the work, you know? Uh-huh. So you're noticing that it's, that this environment is 
a bit more comfortable for you. It's a bit more, um, it's a bit more, it allows you to be yourself more. Is this mm, what, is that what you're saying? I wouldn't say that so okay. much. Um, uh, I still think that there's a level of, uh, acting that I have to do in, uh, the world of people, I suppose. Um, it's not like I didn't feel myself in Philadelphia or New York either. It's just, that's how in terms of the work, it just, that's it's the environment itself is what influenced it. I don't mm. think it's necessarily changed me or my thinking. I mean, it's probably slowed me down a little bit because I don't have to, you know, rat race every single day. Right. Um, right. But I don't, I don't think it's intrinsically like changed me, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I think it's just, it's, you get in where you fit in, you know what I mean? Get in where you fit in. Yeah, no, I understand that for sure. For sure. And so you've been, you've been really, you've mentioned a few times the idea of repetition in, in your process, mm -hmm. whether that was back in the day when you were really kind of focusing on, you know, some of those, you know, uh, some of those religious kind of um, uh, stories or messages that you were drawing from, uh, drawing from and communicating about, you were, you used the word ritual there. Mm -hmm. um, and now in your work, currently, you're talking about the idea of repetition and re and repetitive process, mm -hmm. repetitive mark making or um, uh, use of use of color and things like that. So I'm wondering from your perspective, what is so important to you and maybe for for other people, the idea of repetition, what that brings to life for you? Well, like you said, uh, when my work was talking a lot about religion, it talks about ritual and just the act of art making is ritualistic you're you're going into a studio and you're mixing color or you're making a line and then if you're sketching before you're remaking that line onto a no new surface and stuff like that um I, I just generally think that you know being in the studio is like lighting a candle and you know blowing some smoke it's it's just it's a part of the a part of the fabric of it i suppose it's just the ritualistic nature of making right mm -hmm. um and my work ha has always been quite uh about uh, it, it's been quite um ritualistic and repetitive in in the way that i'm i'm thinking about things you know, you know i build off of the piece that i just made and then i do the next one built off of that piece and it's just this this schlog mm -hmm. of uh of just doing you know uh I, I said this before before uh, we started recording, but I, I like to think of uh, Agnes Martin used to think of uh, uh, artists as a, a coal miner and you just go there and you, you're, you're digging the coal every day and then you clock yeah. out and you go home and, and, you know, it's a job. It's a hardworking, laborious job of repetition. Um, and I've also just made that it's become so ingrained with my work. It's kind of ridiculous. You know, I, I'm literally at the point that my work is about making a gestural line. Yeah. Whitewashing that and then redoing it 
through a different process, but making that exact same line again. So it's a lot about like reproduction, almost like printmaking. Okay. Right. By hand. So I'm, I'm, I'll start with like Sumi ink, which I think is a really like luxurious, like um, ooey gooey, like like spiritually, like amazing substance. Um, You know, it's used with a lot of like uh, Zen painting and and I I treat it as such. Um, So I'll make like a big gestural line. So with the sculptures, for example, uh, that you might've seen from my last show, um, they start with a piece of uh, MDF and then a gesture and then I cut it out, I whitewash it, and then I remake that gesture with a tiny, tiny, tiny brush. So it's all about like the repetitive uh, uh, reproduction of what I've already done. And it's almost like uh, if you have a memory in your head yeah. when you're a kid, let's say, yeah. Yeah. Um, the memory that's in your head now is not necessarily the memory that, or the action that happened at that time. Right. It's the yeah. way that you've, had to recontextualize that memory to make it work for you. Mm-hmm. So that's how I think a lot about when I'm making my paintings is, it's taking that initial gesture, that initial feeling, that initial breath and redoing it and redoing it and redoing it and redoing it until it loses all the original meaning. Right. Right. You know? And until it loses its all original meaning, is that, is that like only the is, is that only reflected kind of like how you're thinking about it or does it actually change in terms of visual output as well do you know what i'm it saying does change the visual visually it, it's i'm not so hard and fast to to perfectly make right. that initial gesture right? right the more you go along the looser it might become exactly more, and more that because of the repetitive processes the more meaning can be chunked into that work too so it might be you know something terrible on the news that you're hearing or um even like how well i slept the night before it's all gonna be like pumped into that work right because i'm sitting there slowly redoing all these things um excuse me um while i slowly redo these things um i'm i'm pushing all this work this this thought into the work and then it changes the work as a whole mm-hmm. um perhaps that's only me seeing that but i think that's good enough for me sure well and that is i think the it goes to like showing up every day mm-hmm. and like chipping away at at coal in the mine mm-hmm. right and that is uh, that that is a process that is really personal or an experience that is really personal to the, to the coal miner, right? They're there to do something in particular, which is like, I guess my, well, not, I guess, but to mine coal, right. And like (laughs) come out with, come out with a product um, at the end of the process there. And then people do what they're going to do with and use the coal, however they're going to use it. Sure. Um, But they're in there doing, doing that work and, and you show up in your studio and you do your work and create, uh, you know, an image or a sculpture, and then it goes out into the world to be interpreted and used by, and used by other people. But you exactly. hold on to mm-hmm. that ritualistic experience or that repetitive um, 
that repetitive contemplative um, experience that you had for yourself. Um, And that's where I think the growth really occurs for the artist as a human being, right. Mm -hmm. Is just experiencing, experiencing that. Um, I come from a, uh, like, a a taught, a taught experience or a taught, um, a modeled, a modeled experience of like the importance of showing up in your studio every day, mm-hmm. right? No matter, no matter what's going on, as long as you have the physical ability, uh, you know, to show up there, um, it's important to do so. And whether or not you actually make any marks or push any paint or drive any nails or screws, just the act, the ritual of getting there and, and, and being in the presence of your work is, is really important and almost a ritual that, um, that affects the work when you actually get to making. Mm -hmm. And I notice in some, some corners of the art world, the art making world that, that, um habit or that um that ritual is not as like followed i don't know if you if you have experienced that or have run into that at all but i just i've just noticed that in some of the people that i work with you know the the sense that you know they have to go in when they go into the studio they have to come out with you know, a product to put on display to, you know, show people. And unless they do that, unless they're actively making, um, it's not worth, not worth showing up. Sure. Um, and I think that that strips away so much of the, of the beauty and the, hardship and suffering even of like being being an artist being called to create being called to to make things Um, what's interesting that you say uh hardship uh because uh you know being an artist is just continuing being a kid (laughs) you know it's still you're Mm -hmm. looking at the world with with rose-colored glasses so i don't think it's necessarily hardship i think Mm -hmm. that if you are going in there expecting you know monetized uh or you know uh results result driven uh art making that you're missing the element of play you're missing that element of like can i swear yeah sure oh (laughs) fucking around and finding out you know what i mean like you got to be able to like make a mess um or else why are you doing it like why play with paint if you can't like spill it sometimes, you know? Yeah. It's like smear it around or just like have something that can just be like for fun. Messed up. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Like I do plenty of things that no one, like no one sees. I, it, the tip of the iceberg is all that people see. There's uh-huh. a whole other like planet underneath all of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that playing is an incredibly like screw hardship. Like you gotta have fun with it too, and it might be infuriating. It might tear your hair out, but like you have to have fun doing it, or else why do it? Or else why do it? Yeah, why? 
why do something that is a hardship, right? Why, why? Yeah, just be a banker if you'd like hate yourself so much. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, exactly. No, 100, yeah, 100%. You know, and it is interesting, actually, that, um, you know, that is, a, that is a word, a descriptive word that, uh, that I came out with today. I'm trying to think about why, why that showed up in, in my, you know, conversation here, because, you know, I'm very much like a process oriented person, right? When I practice therapy with people, it's process oriented, screw the content, right? When I'm upstairs in my studio, it's process oriented, screw the outcome. Um, but I do notice that if I'm spending, and this is probably what it is, because I'm in, in a mode right now of like, you know, doing research and exp- exploration on different people that I might want to have a conversation with or mm-hmm. something of that nature. And so I'm spending a lot of time on social media, uh, in the Instagram feed, right. Or, you know, looking, looking at different people's websites and I'm seeing right the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I'm not seeing, I'm not experiencing the process, right. Of what they're, what they're going through, what they're, what they're wrestling with through their, through their process, what they're playing around with, because we only see, and maybe this can, uh, can move us to another, another idea that you have, um, which is flattening, right? Well, you're only seeing, right. What has been distilled to, um, to a certain point based on what that person wants you to see. And so then I take that and I'm feeling like, man, like, my stuff looks like a bunch of shit right now. Right. Like it's just not, it's just not doing what I believe. I, I believe that other people want it to want it to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And I lose that element of the purpose, my, my meaning for making, which is experiencing my humanness. Right. And experiencing um, what uh, I've just come from in in my life and and uh putting it putting it onto you know some kind of surface um so that's probably where that hardship sure i mean well yeah art making is not content right right content is content Mm -hmm. but art making is a whole other beast that you got to wrestle with and 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 yeah like you said uh it's a way to like examine your own humanity and you can be that can be the point of the work or it can be just a subsection, but you know, yeah, Yeah, but it's not, yeah. The last, the, the very last thing it is, right. Is, is like the actual finished product, right. Most of its life is it's like development, it's cultivation. It's sure. Or like the 20 pieces that existed before, that right. one did as well right right yeah yeah for sure there's so many pieces that that just exist upstairs that you know no one will ever see exactly unless they happen to like get into the studio and uh manage to get around me I and mean, start to like i don't even think people could it. even gather all that <laughs> stuff. i mean when i do a portrait for example um i probably do like 40 to a hundred pre-sketch drawings, just, just doing like the main lines. And then 
I transfer that to another thing that I trans and it's just this is a constant slog of doing all these all these pro like these these milestones to get to just doing the portrait right which is just on one sheet of paper or a canvas or whatnot and you know it's just, just the amount of work that goes into just making that thing mm-hmm. is mind-boggling to me sometimes <laughs> that yeah. I like I got piles of paper that are just you know useless scribbles you know yeah. what I mean well why why is that why is that so important or what is so important to you about that process that you know doing those hundred preliminary sketches or those you know those many like you know, uh, primitive early, like line iterations, why not go directly to, to working on the piece that will ultimately become the piece? I mean, I think I used to do that. Mm -hmm. I used to be much more like, let's go and just like start getting into it. Yeah. There's something to be said for that. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think with all the, the preliminary sketching of, of that is it's, you find, the, the balance and the flow of the lines and how they can kind of like take the eye around. I think that that takes a little bit of time just to, just to tweak that right. So that you, 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 you get, make sure that the viewer is going to go around the painting like you're supposed to, mm-hmm. you know, I had a professor in college that did a really, I thought for, for young artists was a really helpful um, activity and you just take, uh, it was it was a lot, but she she made us do uh, like five or ten paintings a day. We just find something, whatever, uh, in a book. You know, mm-hmm. this is before uh, internet was so uh, in, uh, accessible. I suppose I still had dial up, um, and we would we would you take a printout of that of a painting that you like, and you put tracing paper over it, and you just draw lines around like how how your eye traveled around that painting mm-hmm. so that could change day day to day so you'd go back to a different you'd go back to an original painting and then you'd, you'd do the lines again you're left with all these these tracing paper like nonsense drawings basically because they're just these kind yeah. of things um but it helped you it helped me at least understand um like composition and the way yeah. that you can make the eye go around um i recommend this this exercise to any artist to be honest i think it's a really helpful way of like how to look at your own work as well as to like engage with the exist the work the referential work um, yeah yeah uh, in a clearer way um uh so you know i that's something that i i like i just want to get that balance right and if you look at like matisse cutouts or something like that like he did that he made like a thousand sketches before he did the original um or cutouts um, right so there's 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 the formality of it like you're you're working out like some of the formal elements of Mm. of design and composition and all of that um so that your 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 painting or you know final portrait um in this case is what you want it to be um Mm. as as the product um, but there's also something else that that is going on there learning about about yourself and how you take in mm-hmm. 
take in the visual stimulus. Right, exactly. And then I present that to other people to hope that they can like follow my eye as well. So that that's why you repeat over and over again is to somehow get the viewer to get in there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, so that is like, that's one way of doing it. There was another, um, you know, a really good, that's one really good exercise um, for artists to, uh, to do, um, and get used to doing. Um, I have another exercise that I like to, uh, take people through, um, that's a little bit different than that. And it was taught to me by, um, a drawing, one of my drawing professors, um, in undergrad that is like, look at, take a get an object i think we used like a leaf or something some dead leaf or something that we found um and just like start doing iterations of it and don't even necessarily think not even don't even necessarily think i minimize everything (laughs) um don't think about exactly what is what is coming out of your of your hand or coming from your hand when you're iterating on that leaf but just like keep like go through an entire pad of uh newsprint paper right and just make that leaf and that loosens up your you know in loosens up your intuition it loosens up your uh it gets rid of your perfectionistic quality and tendencies right um so that you can just like be with yourself and the material and the object right and Mm -hmm. um ignore some of those uh more formal elements of design that we can get obsessed about and that are important of course to creating something that makes sense but you know those are two i think uh aspects of engaging with the with the artistic process that that are similar and different at the same time yeah the you know different sides of the same coin right Mm -hmm. i i also did that one a lot um i think that's a good drawing early drawing uh yeah exercise and i think i just want to add that it after a certain point you get bored and that's when you start paying attention yeah right. that's when the work you know you start like being like all right fuck it and you you know what i mean and you're just like you know okay i gotta do another leaf i gotta do another leaf and that's when you really like let go of all the other stuff and like loosen up and that's when you can actually pay attention I that's think. when you can actually pay attention you know right yeah for for sure well Supportive is important. <laughs> yeah well i'm thinking about like the context in which that professor excuse me that professor introduced that particular exercise because the rest of the class was like really like serious like observational drawing um and like very almost like i mean it was such a strange combination of like gestural with like very like mechanical like observation um but then she like just like took us around like to the other side of the coin and was just like yeah stop thinking about everything for a while and just like draw this draw this leaf over and over again 
And it was just like a strange juxtaposition for me um, or experience. Um, but yeah, early undergrad was just like, it was a thing, huh? Time. Yeah. If I could redo it, I would. Yeah. And I would just yeah. eat it up with a spoon. You don't know what you have when you're in it, right? Exactly. It's such a time for there's so much there's so much opportunity for, you know, learning about learning about yourself, learning about, you know, all of the different aspects and area and corners of of art and mm-hmm. creating um, and kids just don't understand what they have when they Those have it. Right. Days, you know. <laughs> yeah and avocado then... toasts <laughs> <laughs> exactly oh my god yeah and then yeah and then you're responsible right when you get when you get older and more mature and out there in the world and have other responsibilities one of your responsibilities is to not lose that uh that playfulness that you um you took you took advantage of or took for granted when you were mm-hmm. when you were younger yeah, absolutely. It's it's, it's, further it's away. the way that I used to paint is so uh, vastly different. And even if I could go back and like think that way now, um, like I just couldn't do it the same way. It got so boring to me after a while. Like when I first moved back, when I first moved to Philadelphia, it was uh, 2006 and I was still making these big sloppy figurative, you know, allegory paintings. And it got to the point that I was just like, I'd get the point onto the canvas. I'd get my my concept and and what I was trying to uh, portray onto the canvas. And then I'd be like, well, that's good enough. I just got bored with it. You know, I was like, I, I did what I, I, I did the assignment. Yeah. The assignment was to project this one idea and I don't need to overwork this painting. And I would leave things in a place that almost felt like they were either just beginning or like, maybe in the middle, but the, yeah. the point was across. So it, that's when I was like, okay, let's go back to drawing. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, you like, yeah. you clocked into the coal mine, right. And like mm-hmm. did what you were supposed to do for your eight hours or whatever. And then you clocked out and that was good enough. Sure. Well, not even that. I think it's al- almost like I was like the, the, the young coal miner that's like uh, hauling the coal from that's just been, chipped away i don't know this coal thing is weird um uh, that was just chipped away and taking it back to the you know the mouth of the the cave or whatnot and i think that at that point i realized that i needed to be the one with the pickaxe and i needed to uh to like cut the big boulders and not worry to be like really invested in in the process exactly and i think that that's where the graph original graphite drawings came from um it was was from that uh just slowing everything down and uh, overworking the crap out of things <laughs> essentially yeah yeah well if there's one thing that i'm good at it's it's over it's overworking the crap out of crap out of stuff sure i like have to like i have certain people that i go to and i'm like look at this and they're like stop right now stop right now <laughs> mm-hmm. because i will just like keep keep going and and you know just exploring and exploring and it just then becomes totally unreadable but my own personal problem that i'm i'm trying to trying to work through um something that is really that i'm really curious about and i think is really interesting is how you say you use flatness to express the world 
around you or around us. Um, what do you, what do you mean by that, Jason? And, you know, what is it connected to? I first started tuning into the flatness thing when I was, uh, starting the, this brushstroke, uh, series that I've been doing for a few years at this point, I guess, since 2017 or so, uh, my main, main focus is using this fan brush with some Sumi ink and Sumi ink is again, a material I love, uh, but it, it creates a really matte, like flat yeah. uh, surface. It can be shiny and it can be matte in places, but it's, yeah. it's ultimately quite flat. Um, and I started just really dialing into that and really enjoying how, like you couldn't see the process because everything was just so, on the surface mm -hmm. and because I love repetitive processes and how that opens up your brain to think about what you're doing. I started noticing flatness all around us, you know, like uh, we're currently looking at each other on a um, computer. I know that you are a three-dimensional thing, but right mm -hmm. now you are just a series of flat pixels yep. that, uh, if you put a big uh, pink block over your face, it would just be a pink block, nothing underneath it, it's just this flatness. And I think that, uh, I, I think the term would be post-internet, I hate that term, but uh, I, I, I think that this design element and how we, we view so much through our phones and through our screens these days, there's a flattening there that I think extends into culture as well, because now we, we are, in this place that um, things are either black or white. There's no minutia. Everything is just so flattened that you live in these echo chambers you, that you that have the same flat beliefs that have the same, like no nuance and no wiggle room no for nuance, making yeah. mistakes for people to yep. uh, try and learn. Um, it's just, I like to call it the great flattening. Um, flattening, I like. Uh, it. I'll get it. I'll get an essay out about that one of these days. But uh, it's just something that I I think is is so prevalent in our world. Um, uh, and it it really started coming to the forefront. And I want to say, like around the pandemic, to be honest, I was making these very repetitive brushstroke uh, paintings that I would make a line, I would make a gesture, and then I would repeat that gesture on either side of it. So you wouldn't really know where the painting began or where it's, it, it ended. It just became this kind of feedback loop, right? And then I would add uh, gradations of color um, for the background and for the brush strokes. And they'd all be very, very flat. I would do it with this tiny little brush and I'd do multiple layers of like these transparent colors just so that you could see the tooth of the, of the canvas. Cause I, yeah. I wanted you to see the surface yeah of something yeah but um also the way these like flat colors kind of interact with each other kind of makes this vibration so mm -hmm. if you look at them if you spend enough time with them they'll start yeah. going to move the right but the idea of, of those we're, we're really taking an, an opinion and a contrary opinion and making them fight against oh. each other right yeah so you know the way a yellow and a purple are gonna like just argue and butt heads against each other um this this was of course like pandemic times when we still had the orange one in, in charge and it was uh 
you know, there was just so much division. Not that there's not now. There's if not more now. Exponential. Just yeah. this this constant like head butting that you 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 um you start failing to see the world around you and you just get this vibration and mm-hmm. i think i think that that energy was just really um prevalent in our society and so those paintings really um felt timely to me at that time yeah sure um and now that i'm here and and kind of uh you know in a larger open space um right. a lot of my paintings are um little less frenetic but i'm still keeping that flatness because i think that the way that the colors can vibrate off each other because uh the way that we view things it, it just it feels right to me this this flattening of everything mm-hmm. so you can see the tooth of the painting you don't see the brush stroke almost like a, if you've seen like a montreon and uh yeah. in in real life you don't see any of his brush strokes it's so no. mechanical yes that it it it's just something that happens over that repetition over that slowness and like really uh recontextualizing those initial gestures into something that's like flat and um smooth and and it in a, in a sense it removes meaning because you don't see the history of the painting yeah yeah but i think you should uh not you. I mean, the just generally, I think it would uh, it would it, it it behooves us to slow down and think about what's underneath that pain. Yeah. Well, something that we don't do in in life anymore, right? Is slow down and think about you know the history and the the stuff that leads up to what we're seeing and experience and 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 fighting about right exactly it gets rid of all of that all of that nuance all of the context all of the um all of the the process right and and we're just left with these like purple and yellow um sides that can't really hear the other one um just just vibrates and echoes um you know and you know i think so it sounds to me like you don't believe that um uh that the great flattening of our experience of each other in the world is is a a good and helpful thing oh certainly not i mean it's helpful for paintings sometimes sometimes. (laughs) Uh, but in terms of society no no absolutely not you know i'm i'm very much in uh the orange one company uh you know in that part of this the country right now and you know it's difficult you know uh i'm out of my liberal coastal elite city environment um Mm -hmm. that like you know pacified me in a lot of ways and now i need to understand how the other half is and be open to them and be an example of you know of how to be in the world or whatnot um and i think that i express that through my paintings as well just uh Mm -hmm. just trying to make sense of it all too yeah i think as difficult as as it is to live in in an experience that is so opposite of you know anything that you might stand for or um 
you know, just be. Um, it's it's a really important. It's a difficult but important experience for people to have to because that will help you um, in the best of circumstances. It will help you, you know, stop the vibration and be able to look more critically or more uh, in a more nuanced way at, you know, why the other side, why the other color is doing what it's doing and saying what it's saying. Um, sure. If you can hear that, that sound, that tone in between the two, mm -hmm. if you can just pay attention to the way those things are fighting and hear that, that noise, yeah. uh, a visual tone, I suppose, but sure. it's still like uh, hitting a bell and watching it ring. And if you can listen to that ring, that's the that's the sweet spot. That's know? the sweet spot. That's where that's. Yeah. And that's what I, you know, strive to do. I like am not good at it most most days. Right. Um, but I strive to really try and find that 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 sweet spot. Right. Whether that's like looking at a painting right and trying to find that what you were just mm. describing there or listening to you know somebody who has the totally opposite perspective like where is the place right that we can even start to agree about something on right like Certainly. where where is that one place because then we can have the opportunity to learn from one another to you know see the other person's you know humanity um and uh and and reason for for having that perspective and that's not to say that that perspective um isn't problematic or you know uh dangerous <laughs> but um you know it'll it allows us to have more of a conversation than a vibration that isn't that isn't you know helpful conducive to good conducive living to good living <laughs> yeah. exactly so this has been such a really this has been a really cool conversation i'm so i learned so much about your process and your work um but also you know a little bit about how you see the world too and and um how it all ties together so i really really appreciate you being so open about all of this of course, thanks for having me, TJ. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, no problem.